Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, thank you for taking the time. And a shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles with Subtle Solution Media for helping to make this podcast possible. We have a great call on here. Ryan Shekel, who's the host of the Every Breath Counts podcast. Thank you so much for A, taking the time to join us today and B, getting ready to share some of your story, man. Oh, it's a privilege to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Ted. Yeah, absolutely. And I I always make sure that I give an opportunity for the guest and our audience to kind of get acquainted. I'm going to step out of the way for a minute and and let you have the floor so you guys can really get familiar with each other. And then we can hop into a little bit more of your story and and really get the conversation started. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's funny being a guest on a podcast after hosting so many. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I like to start with is... You know, I'm the guest on your podcast and it is a privilege, but in a lot of ways, my story's not about me. It's about you listening. You know, I'm not sure the last time you guys were told that you couldn't do something, but it's common. It happens all the time and it changes your life when you're told you can't do something. And the first time that I really experienced that in a way that impacted me and the entire future of my life was at 18 years old. And I was coming out of high school. I was getting ready to go play baseball in college. And I was, uh, you'll appreciate my, my stats coming out of high school. I was six foot three, 153 pounds. Ooh. Yeah. Jacked <laughs> straight diesel. And uh, it, it's, it's funny. Like I played basketball too. And if I went up for a rebound and there was like a breeze in the building, I just go <laughs> flying across the court. It was ridiculous. <laughs> But I, I weighed so little because at the time, I didn't realize I was born with a, with a lung disease called cystic fibrosis. Hmm. And I had always been told I had asthma. I coughed quite a bit. And um, at 18 years old, going into college, I was diagnosed with this disease and told that I'd live to be 30. So here I am, 18 years old, going into college, thinking that I'm on top of the world. I'm going to play a sport. You know, I'm yeah. going to play baseball in college. Luckily, I was a pitcher. I threw the ball hard. That was the only athletic thing that I could do. But, you know, the doctor, after diagnosing me, was like, well, the average lifespan for this disease is 30. So we're going to have to start thinking about treatment and your life after college. So that's kind of where my, my journey began. And, and we can take that a lot of different ways, but it was eye opening, it was enlightening, mm-hmm. I was scary. And it really, truly, to me, was the beginning of was a really interesting adulthood. Yeah. How do you? Oh, man, because you're talking about going into college as an athlete and you're thinking to yourself, you probably like, I'm just getting started. And then this news comes where, you know, when I was heading into college and even through my years of college and shortly after I lived my life almost like, you know, a lot of young kids do like they're indestructible, like they're going to live forever. It's almost like this immortality feel, but you get this news that not only, okay, Hey, uh, cystic fibrosis, but like also, you know, there's a good chance or the doctor saying you've done 50% of your life already. Like, how do you process that, man? I think I was lucky in regards to the fact that 
I kind of had the same feeling that you articulated you might have, mm-hmm. Ted, is just like this naivety or naivety, right? Like it was, yeah. I call it a delusional optimist mindset is really the mindset that I think you have to be in. Mm-hmm. And I can say that now, like looking back, I'm 38 years old. I'm going to be 39 in a couple of days, but it's not something that I believed truly, like in my heart, that was going to be true. And I think it's because I didn't realize it's like anyone who goes through something over a long period of time, you don't feel how sick you might be. Like you have nothing to compare it to. Yeah. There's nothing that says like, oh, this is what someone with a hundred percent lung function feels like. So at 18 years old, I had I had 70% lung function. And I don't know what it was when I was first diagnosed. I'd have to actually go back and see. But the only thing that I could do at the time was say, okay, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. All we can do is take care of this. Right. So you know, did I, I cry? Like I, when I first found out there was a lot of tears, you know, I had a girlfriend, I, I thought I had a future. Right. Mm-hmm. And it really took the wind out of my sails. But at some point you just have to realize you, you have to move forward. And that's what I did. And, and so that summer I ended up going into the hospital for what they call a tune-up. Like you're getting a tune-up on your car and they just like load you up with IV medication. I was afraid of needles at the time. <laughs> I had no idea how many needles I was going to see over the next you know, 20 years. Yeah. But they load you up with IV medication and they end up doing lung therapy uh, multiple times a day. They, it's called cupping and they sit there and it's like a massage and they cup your body, your lungs to move the mucus out. So you're constantly coughing up dead mucus in your lungs and just spitting it out. And then they're they're just pumping you with calories too. I remember they used to bring breakfast, lunch, and dinner at the hospital. And then they would bring you snacks in between all of them. And with every single one of those, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and your snacks, they'd bring you insure. Like you were like a 90-year-old man, you know? <laughs> and oh, and they yeah. were just like, you want ice cream? We'll bring you ice cream. You got to eat, brother. And uh, it was whatever. <laughs> I was just loading up on calories. So I ended up leaving the hospital at 18 after two weeks. I stayed in for two weeks the summer before going into college. And I ended up getting my lungs up to 70%. And I, I think I gained like 15 pounds in two weeks because it was the first time my body received medication. It was the first time I wasn't fighting this disease without the help of you know modern medicine. Yeah. So at that point, it was like, okay, well, there's a plan. We treat this, you know, and we'll see what it is. And we'll, we'll just take it one step at a time, one day at a time, one treatment at a time. Mm. And that's, that's kind of how I got on my path through college. Now, that's, that's an amazing. For contrast, earlier, the very first episode of this podcast, I shared my story of getting diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and, and going to the mm. hospital. I spent two weeks in the hospital as well. And yes, there were a lot of needles every morning, every night, and there were meals. The difference between us is you went to the hospital two weeks, gained 15 pounds. I lost (laughs) 30 pounds in that two weeks. (laughs) So I guess just for the listeners and the viewers, hospital stays are not enjoyable experiences. I will say that. But you find out there's treatment for this. There's there's yeah. a plan, right? And and you get out. Do you, do you still pursue baseball going into college? What are the next four or five years looking like as you continue to combat this thing and settle in the new reality? Yeah. So, you know, a big part of any disease is medical treatment, right? So it's medication. But I also think the big part of treating any medical condition is working on like foundational health. So mm. I've really been a huge advocate of just being healthy. 
uh, whether it be eating healthy. And look, I say eating healthy. I also am just a glutton for nachos and gummy bears. They're, they're you know, oh, yeah. they're like my kryptonite. The Hibiro. But, you know, I, I try to keep, as you say, Haribo? Yeah. yeah oh, Haribo. dude. So I have side, you know, sidebar on this. <laughs> Haribo gold bears. It's so mm-hmm. funny that you bring that up. Are the ultimate gummy bear. And if you like Black Forest, like we're no longer friends. No, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's that much of a difference. I am a connoisseur. But I do feel like working on your foundation is incredibly important. And I, I didn't really work out in high school. Uh, like I said, I was a pitcher. I threw the ball pretty hard. So I had an opportunity to play baseball in college. But I didn't really care about working out. I didn't really care about eating well. It was this realization of you know longevity is going to need it that really kind of started me on the path of just overall health and fitness. Mm-hmm. And I'm by no means you know like, like a professional athlete or dedicated to the T on fitness. But I do value it. And I think it's a really important part of anything you want to accomplish in life is, is building a very strong foundation of health and fitness. I think it's important in your career. Mm-hmm. I do sales for a living, for a career. I'm in an operating room speaking to surgeons and explaining how to perform surgery with our products. And if I'm on a sales call, if I'm in an operating room and I'm coughing and I'm, I'm out of breath, I'm not giving off the confidence, the aura of someone that should be trusted and respected. If you're speaking, if you're a manager, if anyone listening to this is trying to influence other people, you have to look the part, you have to feel the part, you have to be the part so that you can set the example for the next generation of managers coming up underneath you. You know, if I'm going on a sales call and I'm coughing, I'm not making an impact in that sales call. So I think that that foundation, you know, you don't have to be an Olympic athlete. You don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to deadlift 500 pounds, you know, but you, you don't want to be sweating through your shirt when you're talking to someone. So I think it's important, you know, getting back to that, that conversation of where I was at in college was, yeah, I, I did end up playing baseball in college. I played four years. I was an all-conference pitcher. And then I ultimately, when four years was up, I hoped to play professionally, didn't have that opportunity, and moved on with my life and began my career, got married, and started my you know life after college, my family, my career, and so on. And then came this amazing idea. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that happen in, be- in between that, which please fill in those blanks. But my knowledge of the amazing idea, let's run an ultra marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent 12, 15 years. So at 35 years old, I was told throughout my entire life with cystic fibrosis, medical advancements are happening. They're happening fast. We're going to have a cure someday. We're going to have a cure. All you have to do, Ryan, is hang on long enough hmm. to see like the advancements but you have to maintain your health so that you're in a position because it's a, it's a disease where it just, it just goes down. Like your lung function yeah. decreases over time. And they're like, wherever you're at, when that cure comes, you're stuck there. So stay oh, wow. as high as possible. Right. So it was always this goal for me to, okay. Uh, and I go in every three months to the doctor and have my lungs tested. How high can I be? How high can I be? And it was kind of slowly watch over time. And, and when I was 35 years old, I watched it decline from 70% all the way down to 35%, which is right where 
you know, you start talking about a lung transplant, double lung mm-hmm. transplant. And that's a scary thought because anytime you're looking into organ transplant, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of risk involved. And at, yeah. So at 35 years old, uh, there was a huge advancement, uh, not a cure, but there was some genetic modifying drugs that hit the market. And a company by the name of Vertex specifically released this phenomenal drug that flips the actual chromosomes in your DNA. And it allows your cells to function normally for the first time. And I was fortunate enough to get on this drug three years ago now when I was 35 years old. And within two weeks of getting on this drug, my lungs jumped from 35% to 65%, almost where they were in high school. And I felt like a new person. And I was just so grateful. And I remember getting on that drug for the first time and just, just being overwhelmed that I was feeling this way. You know, yeah. I had all this energy. I didn't need to sleep. I had so much energy just, <laughs> from, just from my lungs not fighting themselves all the time. So I said, I have all this energy. I'm so grateful for the opportunity, for the second chance at life that I want to raise money for the foundation that funded a lot of the research, which was the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Mm. And I thought, you know, what's the one thing that I could do that seems unlikely for someone with cystic fibrosis? And it was to run a marathon. And in true fashion, I, I thought, well, there's a lot of people that have done that. But statistically, there's 70,000 people in the world that have cystic fibrosis living in the world right now. There's also only 70,000 people in the world annually that run ultra marathons. So I said, you know what? If I'm going to run 26, it's another six. <laughs> so I signed up for a 50K and I, I wanted to raise money for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation just out of gratitude. Yeah. And uh, ended up raising, I think it was like $6,000 for the foundation. Nice. Um, nothing crazy, but it was what I could do to give back, you know? Yeah. And kudos to you for doing that because a lot of times, We've said before on the podcast, you know, our testimony in our challenge in life is something that others benefit from. We don't go yeah. through our hard times for ourselves. It's what we can do for others in that process. And, and you immediately kind of answer that call of duty once you, you get this amazing medicine and, and you feel re-energized and, and you're ready to take on the world and wanting to kind of be a symbol and pay forward based on getting there. I want to backtrack a little bit because this is 35 deciding to do that. I'm interested to know what was the 30th birthday like? Because I mean, this is a doctor, I believe you said it was 18 that told you, hey, lifespan yeah. here is 30 years. And not only do you surpass that, you know, five years past that, deciding to run an ultra marathon and, and hey, celebrating every single year continuing. So what was that 30th birthday like, man? You know, I didn't give it much thought. It's Mm. interesting. I think because it's such a slow decline, it's like I had talked about when I was diagnosed in terms of just for 18 years, I didn't realize I was getting sick, you know? So at 30, it was just another slow decline from 18. And it's not like I was feeling sick. I I wasn't like, yes, I did. I beat the odds, right? Like, okay, I, I made it past this 30, but it was just another... It was just another day. I also think that, you know, there's just other things going on in your life. I refuse to just believe that it was going to be 30 kind of from the beginning and started my family. So actually when I was 30, I I had a one-year-old kid. And, you know, at that point it was, it was more about just family and career. And I was 
thinking long term. And I think that's, you know, I think that's something worth worth considering is that it was never like 30, although that's what I was told was never the goal. I think 60 will be more meaningful. For whatever reason, I've told myself, like, I'm blowing past 60. When that was from the beginning, it was like, maybe it was just double it. But I think it was just never like, yes, you know, we should celebrate wins. We should. But I also don't think we should relish in them. I think we need to continue to always push forward Mm. because I think we need to keep moving that bar so that there's always something, you know, to reach for. What's going on, guys? Ted Fayton here, host of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. First, if you're hearing this, thank you for your continued support of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It truly means the world to me. I also want to thank you for taking this whole journey with me for nearly 200 episodes every Wednesday, discussing ways that we can overcome the obstacles and adversity in our lives and find a way to reach our rainbows. Speaking of rainbows, if you follow my brand, if you know anything about me, you also know that I have a brand called The Modern Man. Now, this is a brand that I feel could be so much bigger if I can focus my resources and energy all into that. So with that being said, look for a change to come to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. We're not going anywhere. We're just changing things up a little bit. The content that we will start producing will be more focused towards this goal of the modern man and the mission of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. The goal here is to help solve male isolation and reduce the staggering numbers of male suicide in our country. I hope that with discussions on ways we can overcome adversity, share confidently with vulnerability, and also focus on integrity and growth, that we can show up as the best men in our lives. And I hope to facilitate that conversation here on this podcast moving forward. I would love your support and please look for a change coming in the next few months for us to talk more about ways that we can empower men to show up as their best selves in their everyday lives. I appreciate you supporting me through this No Rain, No Rainbows journey. It's time to chase those rainbows. So you run that ultra marathon and after you finish, you're on the other side. What was the next process? What was kind of going through your head in terms of, I mean, the inception of the podcast and, and kind of the giving back that you do for the world. How did that all come about? Yeah, that really was, I think finishing that ultra marathon kind of kickstarted the podcast. It kickstarted this idea of there's just more to this world than me. And I think that oftentimes I found myself, I don't want to even want to say we or you or anyone, right? I found myself oftentimes consumed with what I was doing. I was trying to get ahead. I was trying to make money. I was trying to make a name for myself in in my career. It was, you know, it wasn't selfish, but it was a lot more centered around what I was doing. And I started at that time with, with my kids starting to grow up, see the impact that every small thing that I was doing had on them. Mm. And, you know, they look up to you. And I didn't want them to see someone who was just about themselves. Like I didn't want to be chasing the next dollar. It was interesting. Actually, at, at 35, right before I ran this ultra marathon, I ended up taking a job closer to home. My wife and I took a step back. We were successful in our careers and we said, you know, what do we want our next 35 years to look like? 
And it was a lot more community focused than it was either profit or career driven. It was not, you know, what do we want to do, but who do we want to do it with? And we decided that that was family. So we were, we at the time were living in Atlanta, Georgia, and ended up deciding to relocate our family back to Rochester, New York, where I was born and raised and Buffalo is where my wife's from. And all of our family was was in upstate New York. And we said, you know, if we're going to share this life, let's share it with people we love and care about. Mm-hmm. So it really was this reevaluation of what is the next 35 years going to be? And, and in a way, it was building community. It was giving back, but also just you know, being the example we wanted to see in the world, right? I wanted to see a better community of people. I didn't want to see people just looking for the next win in their life. And I realized that, you know, that that message resonates with people, man. Like, I don't know if you're out there listening to this and you have, you know, two options on the table. And one is a promotion that's going to take all of your time and you know it's going to be this big pay raise and you're going to get a massive title you're going to be a president vice president ceo but it's going to take time away from your family it's going to take time away from your kids it's going to take time away from yourself and your health i'm not telling you not to take that job but what i'm telling you is to reevaluate how you can accomplish that same goal and still have maybe the balance in your life, but at least identify what's important to you and make sure that you're not chasing something that's not important to you. And that's what I was doing for a long time and really tried to have an understanding and and awareness of so that I could pursue what was important to me in my life. I could attest to that being nothing but love going from Atlanta, Georgia to Rochester, New York, because (laughs) it is cold in Rochester, New York and in Buffalo. So that is truly love. No, kudos to making that move because a lot of times we go through life kind of checking the next box or going through the next door that's in front of us. And, you know, it starts in school and then from school, you graduate, go, you know, start applying to different schools. And the one you get into, you sure you might have some selection and where you apply, but you might apply based on where family is, or you apply based on what has your major. So there's other things that kind of lead your decision. And then from school and the jobs and the job could relocate you or the opportunities are here you know, you blink four or five times and you end up being 28, 29, 30, 35. And you're someplace where you didn't fully intend on being, you kind of just followed the path to end up where you are and intentionality, you know, taking the reins and, and adding your intention behind your behavior could drastically change the projection of your life, but it could also take you more to where you want to go. A quick, quick tidbit for anybody listening who might think to themselves, you know, I'm 35, I'm 40, I've gone in the wrong direction my whole life. I'm never going to make it back. The Mars rover spent 90% of its journey off course. All the adjustments it makes along the way is what keeps it back on course. We're talking about one degree this way, one degree that way, but spent 90% of the journey off course. It's all about course correction and it still got there. So yeah. <laughs> don't beat yourself up. Yeah. And I have a I have a strategy for anyone that is contemplating different decisions, right? If you're on the right course, mm-hmm. you may have some options to go. And, and the strategy is pretty simple. And it's just ask why like you're a two-year-old. 
And that just means it's like the why train, right? So if, you know, hey, I have this opportunity, I have A and B in front of me, I think I want to do this and just ask why. Okay. So I wanted to, I, I got this opportunity for a promotion and, you know, it's going to be director of sales at, you know, Google, whatever the opportunity is, right? Okay. Why do I want that job? Well, I want that job so that I can make more money and provide for my family and I can end up, you know, buying a bigger house. Okay. Why do you want more money and to have a bigger house? Well, if I have a bigger house and I have more money, then I have freedom to do the things I want. Okay. Well, why do you need the freedom? It's, to do the things I want. Well, what do you want to do? Why why do you want the opportunity to do that? And the more you say why and the deeper and deeper you dig, you'll eventually get to a point where you're just going to start yelling at yourself to shut yourself up like it's a 2-year-old, right? Like mm-hmm. because I want to spend time skiing with my friends, you know, like it's whatever yeah. that answer is at the end, like cuz I want to live on a lake, man. Like <laughs> I want a boat. Like I I just want to sit down with a beer and just have my feet in the water. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, do you need that job to do that? Maybe the answer is yes, but maybe it's no. Like maybe you actually have the money to buy a lake house. Maybe you have the money to buy a timeshare. Maybe you really only need a week at the beach, right? Like whatever that is, dig deep and really find that why. Ask it like it's a two year old and don't stop asking until you have the real answer. Because a lot of times you lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. You lie to yourself and you rationalize that answer when it might not be deep enough. Yeah. What was it that kept you going every day back when you were 18 going through college and, and early 20s versus what keeps you going now? And I ask that because I imagine through time, our whys can change, our reasonings can change. And I'm sure as an 18-year-old to to where you are now might have two different pictures or they might be the same. Hmm. When I was 18, it's like I said, it was a lot of selfish reasons to keep going. It was just, you know, what's the alternative? You don't really know. But tell you what, it's scary. I mean, have you thought about death? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know for sure what happens when we die. I don't. I am religious and I believe that there is a heaven. And I believe that if we live our lives in accordance with, you know, the will of God, right? Or as if God exists and we treat others with the respect they deserve, then I believe that you end up in a better place. Now, I don't know that that means I get to, you know, float on a cloud, but I think that there's something that happens when we die that is fulfilling and happy and content. And is a community of people that you love and, and want to be surrounded with for eternity. I don't know that I had that realization at 18, but I will say as I've gotten older, I've grown more in love with the people around me, whether that be my wife, my brother, my family, my friends. And I just want to be around these people that I love longer. Like I want to see, I want to see the work that I've put in as a father come to fruition. Like, I, I really want to see, I have two sons. I want to see them become great men. Mm. I, I think that that would be such an awesome thing to do. So, you know, that's really a big part that keeps me going is just, I want to be around. I want to be around for the people that I love and I want to support them, you know, financially. I want to support them 
emotionally, I just want to be there. You know, I want to enjoy every day. That's what keeps me going now. And I love building a community. I love the fact that Ted, you and I could get on a call. You know, we've had a conversation on the phone and and now face to face, virtual online. And like I want to see how great, you know, your podcast could become. I want to see how great your company, the modern man, could become. I'm invested in you. You know, you're part of my community now, and I'm proud of what you're putting out there. And I want to see more of it. Like it's life can be great, you know? It's it's the community you build and it's fun. Mm-hmm. No, I love that, man. And I, I'm invested right there with you too, brother, and, and and would love to see more and more of your success grow and, and the community that we're in grow. You started the episode kind of saying how it can change your life when someone tells you you can't do something or someone puts a restriction on you. Yeah. What would you say to somebody out there that's listening right now who might have had a restriction imposed on their life? Maybe it be by someone else or or maybe circumstances beyond their control. What would you want to tell them if they're looking at a limitation? So Jocko Willink, uh, Navy SEAL, has a, a great quote about this. And it's a very simple quote. Good. <laughs> Good. That's it. Good. I believe, I know for a fact that one of the most impactful days of my life was being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis because it labeled my adversity. A lot of people don't have that privilege. A lot of people don't know what they're fighting against. They might not know if they have underlying disease. They might not know if they're going to get into a car accident. They're going to lose a loved one. There's a lot of uncertainty in life. And understanding what I was going to have to fight was so important because I knew how to fight it. I had people at my back helping me. So if you're going through adversity right now, if you're being told you can't do something, good, because you know what it is that you want to do. Like If you're being told you can't do it, that means you want to do it. right? There was three things that I've really wanted to do in my life not all at once. And I didn't realize them all at 18 years old. That'd be insane that I was told absolutely would never happen. Living past 30 with cystic fibrosis, that was one. And it's something that I've been able to push past. The next thing that happened was I really wanted to supply or I wanted to provide for my family and have a job in medical device sales. And the very first interview I went on, I had a personality test and it was this insane test. And I took the test and I got this little entry interview right with the HR company. And it was a global Fortune 100 company. And they looked at me and they said, Ryan, you, you don't have the personality for this. We're not going to advance this interview to the next stage. We just don't believe that you have what it takes to do this job. It's just not in you, right? Well, okay. I've been through this before <laughs> and decided the only option now is to go work for this company's competitor and take all of their business, mm-hmm. which immediately is, is the, the pursuit that I went on and ultimately did get a job with their competitor. And for 10 years in Atlanta, there was none of that company's business in my territory. <laughs> and the third thing was I was told that I wouldn't have kids of my own. And one of the one of the big issues with cystic fibrosis is that males generally can't have kids. It's called absence of the vas deferens. Mm. 
but it was something that was important to me to expand my family and, and have kids. And my wife and I were fortunate enough to go through IVF and, and have two beautiful biologic boys after a long time of trying. And, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, it's good to know that people may not believe that something's possible for you, mm-hmm. but you now know what's important to you and you can put steps in place to achieve it regardless. Yeah, man. I'll tell you what, Ryan, I mean, I do this podcast for the listeners and the watchers or whatnot, but selfishly, I get so much from guests like you. I learn, I'm taking notes and I'm sitting here getting inspired by your story. And I can only imagine and hope that our audience and watchers are, are are experiencing the same. So while we're coming to the end, I don't want to cut them off from being able to follow up with you and get more of your content, listen to your amazing podcast, Every Breath Counts. How can folks uh, follow some of your work and connect, connect with you on, online? Yeah, look, if you enjoy this podcast, and you should, it's a great podcast, you know, <laughs> no, rain, no Rainbows, what a cool name too. Look, if you like this message, if you like hearing from people like Ted, like myself, like any of his other fantastic guests. I've got a very similar podcast with a very similar mission. And it's just helping people understand that anything's possible in your life. I like to keep it very much geared around around optimizing your career in a way that's aligned with your values. So yeah, you know, check it out. Every Breath Counts podcast. It's it's everywhere. You know, you could search me, hit me up on Instagram. I think Instagram's the social platform that I'm on the most. Uh, it's actually at Every Breath Counts podcast. But look, it's not, you know, it's cliche, but it's not about me. Understand that if you truly want to do something great in your life, you do have greatness inside of you. You know, Les Brown said it best. You have greatness inside of you, right? Just let it out, man. Go after it. Be a delusional optimist. The the point of the delusionalist optimist mindset, delusional optimist mindset is that you believe greatness is inevitable in spite of what everyone else thinks, even yourself sometimes. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care what you think. You're wrong if you don't believe it. Like There is greatness inside of you. Let it out. I don't know if you're familiar with, there is a Japanese pottery. Are you familiar with kintsugi? Mm -mm. So kintsugi is really interesting. And it's an old Japanese tradition. And it's when pottery in Japan was broken, they would use gold to put in the lacquer to put it back together. And they did this to symbolize that even when you're broken, you can put yourself back together with gold and you're more beautiful than before you were whole. And that's so powerful to me. So I love that message. And you may feel broken right now, but as you put yourself together, just know that when you are done, you're going to be more beautiful than before you were broken. Man, that's amazing. Ryan, thank you so much. I appreciate the person you are, your story, and the work that you're doing in the world and with your podcast. It was an honor and a privilege having you having you on the show today, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. And Ted, it was, a, it was an honor and a privilege to be here. And I love what you're doing. Keep it up, man. You know, I think it's important to have people like yourself putting this message out and and living the example mm-hmm. for others. 
I appreciate it. And I'm going to recap some of the gems that you left during the episode, because I know a lot of people listening are probably busy while listening. So I have the pen, I have the paper, I, I do the heavy lifting. So, so our listeners and viewers don't have to, but you know, Ryan started with saying how it changes your life, getting diagnosed with cystic fibrosis at the age of 18 and a doctor saying, you know, life expectancy is 30, that changes your life. But also having limitation to put on us changes our lives. Delusional optimism. I like that. I wrote it down. I have to continue to work on that too, because you have to be willing to believe as, as Ryan just mentioned, there's greatness inside of you, regardless of what anybody else thinks, or even yourself, there's greatness inside of you. Have that delusional optimism with every single day of your life. And all we could do is take care of this. A lot of times we look at the problem in front of us and we and we get anxious or we this anxiety builds up in terms of what are we going to do? And the, the reality is action is the medicine that subsides the anxiety because it starts working on the problem that's giving us the anxiety in the first place. And uh, I, I forgot, was it Marcus Aurelius who said we suffer more in thought than we do in reality? There's a lot of times where the things we worry about for the most part don't happen. And we spend that time and that energy being worried and being anxious when we could get to action. Foundational health, look and be the part. There are so many things you want to do in life. And we've said before, health is wealth. What good is the wealth that you accrue if you can't be here on the earth long enough to enjoy it or be here long enough to share it and spread it with others and give freely? Think long-term. Are you making decisions for now, for tomorrow, or are you making decisions that your future self will thank you for? I didn't realize I was getting sick. I wrote that down because it's not just true about cystic fibrosis. It's, it goes back to the foundational health. So many of us can't remember the last time we had a physical or saw our physician or, or, or got a blood work or, or got ourselves checked out. And unfortunately, when the pain arrives, is usually one of the last symptoms. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy in the absence of pain be the example. I thought that was so powerful. A lot of times we look around the world for things to blame for why things aren't the way we want. And we look at other things that we might want, but understand that you are also an example to those that watch you, those that grow up in your household or those that are close to you, the way you operate and the way you live is an example. And being that example is a beautiful way to move forward. And ask yourself why, like a two-year-old. <laughs> I love that. To the point where you get so frustrated, you just get right to the meat and right to the answer, which is honestly some way to find your true why and your true answer. And for anyone who's going through adversity, having a label put on them or restriction put on them, as Ryan quoted Jacko Willink, good, good. And then get after it and let that greatness out. Ryan, thank you again for the amazing gems along the way. Really appreciated it. To the listeners and the viewers making it to the end, we thank you and appreciate you rocking with us through this conversation. If you liked it and enjoyed it and know somebody that would also like it, it would mean the world to us if you would share this with them. Leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. The best way we can improve is by the feedback that you give us and let us know how we can get better. And also, if you do enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support on a monetary level, be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and get extra content, extra audio and video from guests like Ryan and others that we've had on the show. So definitely a great way to support even further and get more quality audio and value from our guests. But guys, as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.